We're going to be in Acts chapter 28 today. So we are going to be wrapping up our series in the book of Acts. Been working our way through that. I entitled the message the finale, so we'll talk about that a little bit. All right. Praise God. If you want to see pictures of the wedding, you can probably go on Facebook with Amy or I. You can see some of the pictures from where we were at there. We were just south of Fremont. at a. It was a barn venue for weddings. And so that's where we were at. And uh, yeah, it went really well. It was an outdoor wedding. And so if it had been last week, it probably would not have happened outside, right? <laughs> We'd have been out there in our parkas, but... Um, it was still a little cool. It was right at uh, upper 50s, so it was still a little cool. Uh, the bride was a little bit shivering there towards the end, but um, um, but it worked out. It worked out just fine, and uh, yeah, it was really it was a good time. But I did need that extra hour of sleep last night. We had, saw family off yesterday, and by the time we got to the middle of the afternoon, and I was I was done. I <laughs> I was done, and we just got home and. Went for a walk, got some food in our stomach, and yes, so praise God. Well, we're, Acts, Acts is all about Acts 1.8, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we see that happen in the book of Acts. It begins in Jerusalem, right? God pours out his Holy Spirit. Jerusalem is touched. You have the ministry of Peter, and then all of a sudden... Chapter 9, Saul gets converted. He was a persecutor of the church, and God reaches out to him. And we'll talk a little more about that. But he is, he is saved. He becomes a light to the Gentiles. And so the last part of Acts is really about the Gentile mission, as Paul does these missionary journeys, we call them, where he goes into modern-day Turkey, Asia, and then Greece, Macedonia, and then... Um, and now he, he finally gets to Rome. He finally gets to Rome. All expense paid trip. Only catches that he was in chains, but he made it there. All right? Um, and so, Chris, if you can put up that map of the voyage there, we got, you can see, and maybe the, your Bible has a map like this. Sometimes they usually have his missionary journeys. Sometimes they overlap them, so they'll have the three missionary journeys and then his trip to Rome. You can see where he leaves. Israel, Jerusalem, Sidon, and then he goes around the islands there. Island of Crete, they're supposed to go to the north, but they go all on the south. A big wind comes up and just like a hurricane and takes them. And, and now they're going to end up in a small little island. You'll see over there, you can barely see it on the map, and the island's name was Malta. Malta, all right? And that's where they're going to end up. And so that's what we're going to touch upon Again, it's, it's a historical narrative. Luke is writing to us the events that happen and take place. But I think there's some good things here for us that uh, we can really uh, look at in this final chapter. Amen? So let's bow our heads in prayer and then dive in together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word that is able to speak into our heart and our life. It is the living word of God. It is alive to us, Lord. And just even here today, Lord God, I believe you want to speak to us. Uh, something that we need to hear through your word. And so we invite your Holy Spirit to come and to fill this place and to fill our hearts. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to your church. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Verse 1, 
Acts chapter 28. So we left last week. They are shipwrecked. Um, so you'll have to go, if you missed that one, you'll have to go back and catch that. And, and so they, they land on some island. They all are rescued. Uh, nobody loses their life. They have to swim to shore. And so this is where we pick it up. Verse 1. Once we safely arrived on shore, we found out the name of the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us because it was raining and cold. And Paul gathered the pile of wood, a brush fire, and as he put it on the fire, a what? A viper. Latches onto his hand, driven from the heat, it fastened onto his hand. And you know, Paul, he just, when the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man is a murderer, for though he escaped the sea... The God of justice has not allowed him to live. So Paul shook the snake off into the fire and he suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a a God. And there was an estate nearby that belonged to the publis. So he was the chief official of the island. And he welcomed us into his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from a fever and dysentery. Usually dysentery you get from drinking water that has parasites or something in it. And uh, it dehydrates you. It gives you what? Diarrhea, right? And uh, uh, if you do some traveling. So I know when I was in Jamaica... You know, I, w- I didn't drink the water, right? They can drink it, we cannot, okay? And if, if you want to go for it, you can go for it. You can be sick for several days. Um, <clears throat> but even the ice cubes, so the one day I, I you know, I drank, I drank the, the punch, with the, which they use filter water, but the ice cubes, and uh, they still contain it. So I got kind of sick one time there. And uh, yes, it's not a fun experience, all right? Seems fairly basic, but it'll dehydrate and it'll kill you if it's not treated. And Paul went to see him, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and what? Healed him. Isn't that just cool? He's healed. And when this happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and they were cured. It kind of reminds you of the ministry of Jesus, doesn't it? And they honored us in many ways. And when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with supplies we needed. So... It was about three months. So verse 11, after three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the, on the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with a figurehead of twin gods of Castor and Pollux. So it's interesting the details that Luke includes for us, right? And we put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. And from there, we set sail and arrived in Regum. And then the next day, the south wind came up. And on the following day, we reached Put Loi, there we go. And there we found some brothers and sisters. So there was some believers there who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. That's actually where my, <laughs> my son and uh, new uh, daughter-in-law are. Um, they just got in this morning, so on their honeymoon. All right. Um, and so they, we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the forum of uh, at Pius, and the three taverns to meet us. 
And the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged when we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. So he's kind of like under house arrest, but had a lot of freedom. Three days later, we were called together to the local, we called together the local Jewish leaders and they assembled. Paul said to them, my brothers, although I've done nothing wrong against our people, against our customs, our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem, handed over to the Romans. So we've heard this story before. They examined me, granted me release, wanted to release me, but I was not found guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I was asked to see you and talk with you. It is not because of the hope, it is because of the hope of Israel that I'm bound in these chains. They replied, we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of our people have come from there to report or say anything bad about you. But we want to hear your views for what we want to know the people everywhere are talking about this sect. Okay, verse 23. They arrived to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning until evening, explaining about the kingdom of God from the law of Moses and from the prophets. He tried to persuade them about Jesus. Verse 24. Some convinced were convinced by what he said. Others were not. They didn't believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave. And Paul finally made his statement. And this always got him in trouble, okay, several different times. The Holy Spirit spoke to the truth to your ancestors when he said through the Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Okay, that's taken from Isaiah. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. Okay, so Paul was reaching out to his own people but he found this as he went from place to place that they were some of the hardest people to reach. They had the heritage, right? And we talked about this in youth group on, on Wednesday night in Romans 9 about God's sovereignty. And the Jewish people had the heritage. They had the prophets. They had it handed to them. And yet often they were the ones that rejected the Messiah and it was the Gentiles that had an open heart to the gospel. Right? Verse 28, therefore I want... Okay, verse 30. For two years Paul stayed in his own rented house welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught the Lord Jesus Christ about the Lord Jesus Christ and with all boldness and without hindrance. Amen. And that's how Acts 28 ends. What do we learn from this? What, what can we apply to our lives? So these are some things that I see. I hope you see them as well, all right? <laughs> First of all, that God is sovereign. And I don't want to assume... You know, that's not a word that we use a lot, right? You maybe haven't used it in the past week, month, or year, or never maybe, right? I don't know. Sovereign. What do we mean by sovereign? We sometimes use that of a sovereign nation, right? It means that they are independent. They control their own affairs. They make their own decisions. They're sovereign. They're independent. That's what we mean by a sovereign. Our church is a sovereign church within the assemblies of God. And in other words, the district and national leadership can't come in here and and, and direct our affairs. We are a sovereign church. Now, there, there's still some things we have to stay within lines, but we are a, what, what they call a sovereign church. 
Sovereign means one exercises supreme authority within a limited severe. And we often use that word of God, that He is sovereign. In other words, God can do whatever He wants to. So in Romans 9, we looked at that God can accept who He wants to accept and reject who He wants to reject. It's pretty cool, isn't it? And yet it's kind of like, I don't know. God can do whatever He wants to. He's the boss. right? You ever had a boss just... You know, you may not agree with the decision, but he's the boss or she's the boss, right? They're sovereign. They can do whatever they want to. God is sovereign, and we may disagree with some of his ways or not understand his ways, but he's still the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's going to do whatever he wants to, right? I see that God is sovereign. Why do I say that? Because think about Paul. You can think about Paul's salvation he was a Jew, but he was a persecutor of the Jewish, not of the Jewish people, but of the believers that accepted Christ. He was a persecutor. He was probably one of the most unlikely people to accept Christ as his Lord and Savior had not God stepped in on the road to Damascus and blinded his eyes, sent the angel of the Lord there, Jesus himself, and speak to him. And he turned his life over to Christ. He gave his life completely to God. That's sovereignty. Had not God had that visitation with him, would Paul have accepted Christ? I don't know. I don't think so. We don't know. But that's the sovereignty of God. I think about why did Paul end up on this island of Malta? Right? Why did he end up there? He ended up there because of a storm, right? A hurricane. Some parts of the world they call them hurricanes. The other place they call them typhoons. So I'm not sure if we're a typhoon. Pacific is... Yeah, I'm not sure which one. All right. But it was a bad storm. He ends up there because of a storm. It wasn't on their radar. They didn't even know what the name of the island was. And why did God even care about these people on Malta? Why? I don't think we'll ever understand that. Why did God care about the small island where some people lived and about a man that had dysentery and maybe would have died if Paul not had prayed for him? And here Paul ends up on this island. One guy is healed and then all of a sudden they bring the sick to them like they did during the ministry of Jesus and more get saved and more get healed. Isn't it incredible? A little revival takes place on the island of Malta because God in His sovereignty said, there's something special about this island. I don't know if we'll ever know until we get to heaven. And I don't know, when we get to heaven, will we care? I don't know. But there was a plan and a purpose for that. And God is sovereign. And that is one of the things that still marvels me to, to this day is that some of the people that grow up in a Christian home and they have everything handed to them, sometimes they embrace Christ and sometimes they don't. And then there's other people that they don't grow up in the best family. They don't have a Christian heritage and yet they show up on a Wednesday night or they show up on a Sunday morning. And See, that's the sovereignty of God where it doesn't fit into an equation or a formula. It's God working as He chooses fit. And If you look at church history, you'll see that God has raised up some of the most unique people to further His kingdom on earth and in this world. And maybe you're one of them, right? 
Maybe you're one of them. The longer I pastor and involved in ministry, the more I marvel at the sovereignty of God. I believe that we have that choice to choose God and follow after God. But I also think just as active is the sovereignty of God, that God provides the environment, the culture, the atmosphere to put us in that place where we accept Him. Right? Some believed, so Paul goes to these Jewish believers, some believe, some reject. That's, we've heard that over and over in the book of Acts. But to those who had an open heart, he preached his heart and soul, and soul out, didn't he, right? He just preached his heart and soul out. From morning till evening, he preached and he told them all that he could and pointed them towards Christ. You know, the sovereignty of God, I, I, uh, just in, even in the wedding, and I commented in the, there was a few, that you were, a few of you that were there at the wedding, and just the sovereignty of God, um, just praying, you know, if you've been in that place where you're praying for your son or your daughter, just who they will marry, that's one of the most important decisions that they'll ever make, right? And, um, you know, sometimes the oldest isn't the first one to get married. And so Aaron just kind of put it on hold for a while because he was working on a master's degree, and he really thought he was going to be moving to... Uh, not Guantanamo, but he was going to move to uh, Langley, right? There, he was, he was going to go on the FBI. That was, that was his plan. And then COVID hit and, uh, and, and just changed some plans. Um, we prayed, you know, my prayer specifically is that God would raise up a young lady that loved God with all her heart and would love him with all her heart. Um, those are my exact words. And... Um, we thought, you know, he dated a few people, and there was a thought, well, you know, they're a nice person, good Christian home. There's some that we had some concerns about, but it was going, you know, it was almost, he bought the ring, and we thought it was going to happen, and then, you know, I had my mom praying too, right? She just didn't feel good about it. She didn't feel good about that one, and, and it, he had the ring, folks, and some things happened, and it was like, it was very obvious this wasn't going to, you know, it was hard. Our son wrestled through that. He was he was deeply hurt, but he dated a few more, and then all of a sudden, uh, he meets Caitlin. And it, you know, I, she said, "What eight days before, eight days before um, she met Aaron, somebody at church had prayed for her that uh, that God would send that right person into her life uh, to be her husband." And uh, the first date. She actually had another date lined up after that, and she canceled that one because after that first date, she just knew that, that Aaron was the one. You know, and she gave us a, a letter to Amy and I um, on Thursday night at the rehearsal dinner, and I read that, and uh, she just said some things that she promised to do. And one of the things she says, I promise to love Aaron wholeheartedly all my life. Almost the exact words from my prayer. You know, that was just such a confirmation to me that God, He knows our hearts. And sometimes it doesn't happen just like this, right? That prayer wasn't just over a week, over a month. I think it was like over three, four years or longer that I had prayed that prayer. Um, and God answered that. The sovereignty of God. I, um, I just, I'm in awe of it. And uh, the longer I'm in ministry and in this life, I see His, His hand at work. All right, number two, I see the principle 
this is the other principle I see. Stay true to your God-given vision. Stay true to your God-given vision. I appreciate that about Paul. Once he came to know Christ as his Lord and his Savior, and God gave him this clear call to be a light to the Gentiles, he didn't stray from it. He stayed true to what God had called him to. That meant he went through persecutions and sufferings. Um, I think he probably had sleepless nights. I think um, he had lonely nights. He had times of discouragement where God would have to send an angel or where Jesus would go himself and stand next to him and say, hey, we're going make make, to make it through this. Right? That happened several times in the book of Acts. But Paul stayed true to what God had called him to do. And even on his way to Rome, he's a prisoner, right? He could have just said, you know what? I'm a prisoner. I'm going to hang it up. I'm hanging up my, my uh, pastor, my evangelist robe. And, you know, I'm just going to, whatever happens, happens, but I'm checking out. But even in his imprisonment, even in a shipwreck, even in an island in the middle of nowhere, he's still true to his vision. And even in the middle of nowhere, he sees the hand of God move. People are healed. People come to know Christ. And even once he gets to Rome, he has this captive audience. He's leading soldiers to Christ. He's living. Whoever listens, he's telling them about God. He stayed true to his vision that God had given him. And I, I, just, I think that's so important. Um that we do that in our life as well. Because sometimes life can have, it has its ups and downs, it has its things that we don't expect, but to stay true to what God had call, has called us to. Sometimes it's easier than others, right? Right? But Paul stayed true to the vision that God had given him. Number three, your latter years can be your best years. Okay. Yes, there's some of you going. Yes. You know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to retirement, but in some ways, um, in that maybe I'm going to do some things that I can do that um, aren't dependent upon. I can just do what I want to do and serve God in those ways, right? But there's something uh, that comes with maturity and being seasoned in life. And Paul, at this stage in life, he was seasoned. He was no longer a rookie, right? Um, and when, as I read this last chapter, it's like he's enjoying life. Yeah, he, he's a prisoner, but he's enjoying life. He's preaching from morning till evening. He has an open door. People are coming to see him. He is doing what he loves to do in the passion within his heart. He doesn't care what people think. If they believe what he says, great. If they don't, so long. It didn't bother him. He was free to do what God had called him to do. You know, in the sports arena, they call rookies rookies for a reason, right? They call them that for a reason, right? They probably have more athleticism than an older player, right? They do. They're young. They're agile. Um, coming right out of college. They got energy. Yet, you got to... A more seasoned player. So Aaron Rodgers, he just got, you know, I'm not a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. My son is. My youngest one is. Uh, he's, he's, re- you know, he's recovering from Achilles tear. And now Kirk Cousins got it. You know, has an Achilles tear. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers is, is getting up there. And yet, um, he makes up for his, 
you know, he doesn't probably have all the abilities that he had when he was younger. But they have the maturity, the expertise. They're smarter. Um, and so they actually get more done. Tom Brady, even, you know, he's technically retired. I was wondering if the Vikings were going to actually try and get him signed up or bring him out of retirement. You know, even in the last couple of years, I mean, he was in his 40s, folks, playing football, getting hit. And yet he was, he was still getting it done, right? It wasn't because, I mean, he was still in pretty good shape. But he had the expertise and wisdom, maturity, experience to, to perform better than a younger person that had more athletic ability. You know, I've been in ministry 33 years. Isn't that crazy? Um, 18 have been here. I've definitely married my share of mistakes, but you know what? My sermon prep time, it doesn't take me near as long to prepare a message now compared to when I first started off. And I can probably guarantee you that, and my wife's here, so she'll probably nod her head, that my messages are better now than they were back then, right? <laughs> right? And so I put more time in, but they weren't as good as they are now, all right? Um, there's some things that ha- your latter years can be your best years. And some of you, you're, you're maybe on the edge of that, or you're thinking about it, or maybe you're there, right? Can I just challenge you that these years can be your best years. And yes, you might not have, you know, maybe it hurts a little more when you wake up in the morning and um, you can't move as fast as you used to. But that doesn't mean that these, these years can't be the most years where God uses you most powerfully in your own life. Amen? Um, yeah. I wish I had the strength, the stamina, the energy I did in my 20s. But I feel like right now, I'm more effective than I ever was in my 20s, my 30s. Um, that's the way it is. I'm going to have the musicians come. And if you're in your teens, if you're in your 20s, there will come that day. There will come that day. and You'll, go, you'll remember this message, okay? <laughs> right now, you're working hard in those years. And you know what? That hard work and effort will pay off someday. You're going to appreciate it. You know, we learn from Luke. He's the author of Acts, right? And we see the ministry of Peter in the first part of Acts. And then the focus turns more to the ministry of Paul in the latter part. Um, Some would still argue that the book of Acts is still being written today, right? Some ministries that are called Acts 29. Because God is still working by His Holy Spirit in His church today. There's still people that need to hear the gospel and to be changed and transformed. You know, there's still Maltas that need to hear a clear presentation of the gospel. There's still people suffering with health issues that need a faith-filled person that will pray for their recovery. There's still people who practice an open-door policy that say, hey, you want to learn more about Jesus? My, My doors are open. My living room is available. Come in and I'll tell you about Jesus. You know, God is sovereign. The wind of His Spirit blows where He wishes. And He moves upon hearts as He sees fit. Some of the greatest moves of God haven't happened because they were orchestrated or they were planned. In fact, I think very few of them were. They happened because God was moving by His Spirit.
And over the years, last couple of years, I've talked about the Jesus Revolution movie, you know, a revival that took place in the 70s amongst hippies, you know, right? That's where I would plan a revival, right? And God used some very unlikely people like Alani Frisbee, all right? That had, he, he had issues, folks. He had issues. He had flaws. And yet God used him. You try to figure that out. That goes against a, a lot of stuff. But God used him because he was available. And if God can use Alani Frisbee, he can use you and I. He can use a Chuck Smith that was very rigid and probably wasn't open to the leading of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit. And God used this pastor to pastor a revival and a movement. Stay true to who you are. Look for God's sovereignty in your life and each day. We sometimes just go through our life and we we got our routines. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Instead of saying, God, what are, you, what are you up to today? Where are you moving today? Where is the wind of your spirit blowing? And having ears to hear and eyes to see what God is doing. And say, God, okay, this is, I want to join with you in what you're doing. I see that in the book of Acts. Stray, stay true to your divine vision. Never underestimate what God has accomplished can accomplish in you, even in your latter years. You know, in your younger years, God can work through you even because you don't have experience. Even though you don't have all the maturity, God can use you. And in your latter years, you don't have all that zip and energy, but God can still use you, right? Because it's not always about us, it's about Him and His Spirit flowing through us. Amen? Amen. Would you stand this morning? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Maybe there's people online or just you here today. You don't have Christ in your heart. You don't know. I was talking to somebody this week. He's been in churches. Maybe he's listening this morning. He's been in churches. He's been exposed to Christianity. I, I just didn't. Um, I was at the Haddock's Fitness Center, you know. And I was a little bit on a time schedule. But he starts talking. And our hearts need to be open, folks. This, this, what's happening in Israel and just the unrest in our world, some, that's really impacting some people. It was, I could tell it was really bothering him, and so we talked about some things. Um, but we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have the hope of heaven. We haven't been promised peace on this earth. We haven't been promised that everything's going to be okay. What we have been promised is that God, the Prince of Peace, will be with us. We've been promised that He is the gift of salvation, that if we open up our heart and receive Him, we can have that hope of salvation. That we can know for sure. And so maybe there's somebody listening today, somebody here today that needs to hear that. So would you pray with me the prayer of salvation? And then we're going to, I'm going to pray over each of us here today. Saying, but let's pray together saying, Dear God, Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me when I have chosen to do my own thing. Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. 
be my Lord and my Savior. And walk with me each day of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And Lord, I pray for each one here. Lord, there's, I don't know the plan and the purpose for each person here, but you do. Lord, you're the one that is sovereign and you call people. Some you call to to work here in America and to work in different occupations and jobs to further your kingdom here. And then there's other people you send to Amalta or you send other places. God, that is the moving of your Holy Spirit. Lord, give us an open heart to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to each of us to further your kingdom here on earth. And Lord God, whatever stage of life we are at, Lord God, I, I pray that we can sense that you are enough to equip us. Whether it's in our younger years, give us the wisdom and the anointing that we need and that will make up for our inexperience and our uh, lack of maturity. And Lord God, in our latter years where we lack the energy and the zeal that we had earlier, Lord God, give us your anointing and your power. Lord God, new and afresh each and every day. And Lord God, give us that, that vision for our life. If we, if we don't know other than that we're living and breathing, God, I believe that you have a set purpose for each and every one of us. Something that you've called us, equipped us to do to further your kingdom here on earth. Help us to find that. To know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Lord, we just give you the thanks and praise this day. We ask it in your name. Amen. Lord, we just give you the thanks and the praise this day. Um, I'm so encouraged, Lord God, by what I am seeing uh, in your church. Um, Lord God, we sometimes when we turn on the news, I'm not always encouraged, but I'm encouraged when I come to church. I'm encouraged as I see God working in the hearts of young and old, Lord God. I'm encouraged what I see you doing in communities and in our community, Lord God. And Lord God, I just pray that you're working by your Spirit. Let us be in alignment with what you are doing, Lord God. Let us be people of your Spirit that flow with your Spirit. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you are saying to your church. God, go with us this week. Lord God, may your favor and your blessing shine upon us. May you grant us your peace and may you go with us. We give you the thanks and the praise. Your name we ask. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. Um, Terry brought some pies. He wasn't here last Sunday for pastor appreciation. But he made up for it today. So he brought some pies for people. And so uh, if you want to hang out for a little bit of sliver of pie, you can do that. And God bless you. Fellowship with one another. Good to have you at Radiant Springs today.